Um, okay, yes, uh, we are talking about the uh, the next two Indiana Jones movies, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, once again, if you have not listened to our first Indiana Jones discussion where we talked about Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom, that is up now in the description below. Uh, please check it out. They These will pair nicely together. Um, so full spoilers for the, both these movies. I'm sure you've seen them, but I do want to say that anyway because that's just what I do. Uh, full spoilers for both for both these movies. Shall we get right into it? Might as well. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll start with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. What did we think of this one? Cla- classic. True classic. Yeah. C- classic Indiana Jones. Um, an amazing film. Great story. Um, shows Indy who he is from the very beginning. Um, shows that he's not always about the treasure. He's about his family. Um the treasure sometimes could be a sweet point, but he's, <clears throat> I mean, given the time it was made, he's there was like, Hey, this, this is a rare artifact. People need to see that known history belongs in a museum. The famous joke. What more can I say? I mean, this movie is fantastic. It was such a joy to watch this movie again. I haven't seen last crusade in a long time and it was just so great to watch this again. Okay. I'm so sorry, Sparks, but I want to get you, I want to, I'll get you next. I had more I needed to say <laughs> at the top of the episode and then Jones, the last crusade come out in 1998 sorry 1989 uh directed by steven spielberg obviously written by jeffrey boehm importantly uh each of the jones film was written by a different person so jeffrey boehm uh wrote this one he would go he he had written at that time lethal weapon one and two inner space and the lost boys uh and then he would go on to create the tv series the adventures of briscoe county jr which is incredible i love that show um tom stoppard who wrote empire of the sun for spielberg was brought in to punch up the dialogue so a lot of the stuff between henry and and indy that's tom stoppard uncredited he was a script doctor okay sparks go ahead uh yeah hi uh it's indiana jones and the last crusade and it's more good indiana jones how could it possibly go wrong or fail indiana jones is always a hit my friends um, there is no bad Indiana Jones film, so uh, yeah, it's a good time. It's not my favorite of the trilogy, which I didn't know if I felt that way for sure until this last viewing, because this one, unlike the other two, I have not seen in at least a decade. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, is that one of my favorite? Watch it again, and I'm like, nah, no, it's not. That's okay, though. Um, it's still very good. All right. <laughs> there we go. Oh, you were waiting for that, weren't you? Uh, for the listeners, just so you know, Brandon has pulled out a big, goofy Indiana Jones hat <laughs> and put it on over his headphones and then had to adjust his headphones. And that is the comedy you are missing if you are not watching on the YouTube. But yes, that is, that is, this is awful. I can't do this. <laughs> Uh, yes, I, this is my favorite. I love Indiana Jones and the last crusade. I can't take myself seriously with that thing on my headphones. Um, I love Indiana Jones, the last crusade. It is my favorite of the Indiana Jones films. This is the one that I watch the most. I I've watched it five times this five times this year. Um, when I was on my cruise, when I was on my cruise in, in December, it was one of the movies on the action channel and you bet your ass. I was seated every single time it popped up. 
Um, even if I had to go to dinner, I was watching it. Don't care what part it is, watching it. I adore this movie. This is this is this, for me. This is the one. All right. All right. Let's get into it. Yeah. Um. So. Um, can you, can you j- start off by elaborating on more of why you feel that way? So this is where my love of the trope between uh, of a of a of a father and son reconnecting of an estranged father trope that Spielberg does so much. This is where I fell in love with that trope. Mm-hmm. Um, I, ever since, ever since then, whenever I see this trope, not, it's not always well, well done, but I, I'm always really invested in these types of stories. And this is where it came from. This is my favorite soundtrack of the three. Um, this is my, I love, I love the chemistry between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. Like I love their chemistry so much. Um, I think they're just having a blast for me, for my money. This was the last time that Lucas Spielberg and Ford were in, were in sync. Well, yeah. Um, and like, I don't even think they were this in sync in Temple of Doom. I think, but here, like, this was like, this, Spielberg's in his element. Lucas is in his element. Ford is in his element. Everyone is in top form in this movie. Um, I, I, uh, I adore it. I adore it so much. I'm look. It's not the best one in the franchise. I'm sure. Like, I'm, I'm definitely colored by my perception of this film, one thousand percent. But it's, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, this is the one for me that I, I, I return to all the time. It's definitely this one and Raiders. I return to a lot, a lot out of all the films. Um, I mean. I talked. I said this last time about Raiders. Raiders is to me, it's the perfect adventure movie. You say adventure movie, you think Raiders of Lost Ark. Last Crusade is that again, but with even more deeper character moments and deep and a deeper story. Where Indy is not out to find the um, the Holy Grail because it's like the Holy Grail. I must go get it. It's like you know the Grail belongs in museum. He goes to get his dad, and then his dad convinces him to go get the Grail because if the Nazis get it, shit's gonna go bad. And it's like, well, I hate the Nazis, mine as well. As long as you're safe, cool, let's go. And just this whole time with him also connecting with his dad on, well, connecting with his dad throughout the journey, the whole time I was watching this, I actually thought about Brandon a lot. I was like, no wonder, because Brandon, I know how much you love these type of films. It's like, wow, no wonder Brandon loves this movie so much. Uh, Or I was like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be, um, your favorite of the Indiana Jones film because of the story between Indy and his dad. Yeah, and every single time, the, every single time when we get to the end and Indiana is hanging by, and and, and Henry's got Indiana, <clears throat> and and he, we had that slow moment where he he just says Indiana, Indiana, like I, oh man, every single time I cry, every mm. single time I watch this movie, I cry, um, or even just just their the banter between the two when they're when they're on the blimp and they're, oh. they're have they're finally having a drink and then or when they get on the motorcycle and he's like no we got is like no uh marcus is that way as i like, and uh sorry for the horrible impression please forgive me he's like but my diary is in berlin and they have to <laughs> go to berlin to yeah get the, I, the the two of them together i'm like obviously sean connery is is for those of you who don't know, which I think all of us here know, Sean Connery is playing Harrison Ford's father because the idea for Indiana Jones came from a James Bond script that Spielberg wanted to write. So it's the it's the in joke that James Bond is, is Indiana Jones's father, and I think that's very clever and kind of funny in its own right. Um, and yeah, I um, I think everything Ben's saying is is really interesting too because like 
there's a line in this movie where he says, I don't care about the grail. I just want to find my father. And that's, that's the theme of the movie. Like Indy kind of gets pulled into this quest because of his dad. And I really like that. Um, because the, 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 it's one of those things like much like Raiders where like the journey is more important than the destination. And mm. for here, I think what's interesting about the MacGuffin of the, of the Holy Grail is that it's not, it's, it's, Andy doesn't get it at the end. You know, he gets the Sankara stones at the end of Temple of Doom. He gets the, he gets the, um, <clears throat> uh, 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 Ark of the Covenant at the end of Raiders, but he doesn't in this one. But he does. But he does get what he was looking for. And Brody says in the beginning, the quest for the of the Grail is the is a quest for the divine in all of us. Like it's not even Marcus knew the quest for the Grail. The quest for the Grail is more important than getting the Grail. Like that's what that's what's important. And so like that's what India. That's the journey that India is on. Yeah. And, and even Henry, <laughs> to, an, to an extent, Henry's obsessive nature of finding the Grail has blinded him to his son. Yeah. But through the quest. He's illuminated, as he says, illumination. Yeah, like when, um, when you, when, uh, what's his name? Is it Kazim? Kareem? Kazim. Kazim, thank you. Like when Cat, when Indy has Kazim, they're about to get destroyed by the propeller in Venice. He's like, why are you trying? He's like, you're looking for the Grail. It's like, no, I don't care about the Grail. You can tell that's when Kazim finally decides to reveal, like, who, who this brotherhood is. It's like, we're guys who are trying to protect the grail. You're looking for it. He's like, I don't give a damn about the thing. I just need to my dad. He's like, okay, this is where your dad is. Bye. I will say, I've said a lot of good things about this movie. The grail knights, Chasm and his group. I don't get the, I don't get why they're here. I've never understood why they're here outside of a pretty interesting chase scene in, in the, in, in Venice. I don't get their purpose in the story. Uh, like you don't you don't get why they're used in the story in a film sense not like what they're actually doing as no i get what they're doing like they're the magi yeah but i don't but as the film has cut so much of of because I, I i was reading up on this film they were from the previous draft mm-hmm. they were the villains in the previous draft and they were they were left over i think you could have cut them all entirely and it doesn't really change much Hmm. I don't know how much I'd agree with that, but I don't yeah. 100% disagree with it. It's because yeah. they don't really amount to anything, really. They show up again to distract the Nazis in the in the in the in the on the trail, but I don't. They were they're always kind of the moment where I'm just kind of like I don't really understand what you're doing here. I I get it. Like you could argue that the Nazis are an insurmountable force until they take out enough of them that Indy and the others can finish the rest. True. You can argue that, but you can also argue the film could be written that way. But then the Nazis wouldn't be as big as an impressive compared to the Raiders version of them. So they have to be more and they have to be more daunting. So mm, I hear you. Yeah. I think that their first scene is very good because I think it's interesting for Indy to encounter someone who is their job isn't to do what the Nazis are doing. You know, their job is to stop Indy from finding something historical. Right. Um, and he's never had to encounter that before. I won't say the film does enough with it, perhaps. Um, the fact that like he never brings them up to his dad. Because mm-hmm. uh, like I feel like that would be the important part, right? Like his dad should have some knowledge of them. Yeah. At some point, whether he's given the knowledge by Indy or like he's he has knowledge of them himself or like something like that. Um, so I won't I won't disagree that yeah. I, I think like 
their involvement in the film could be better. Let me see if I have any other specific notes about them, other than them being the ins- the clear inspiration for the Mummy's Magi execution. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. I think the Magi are executed well uh, better. Um, mm. um, but I guess we'll. Uh, so another thing I really like about this movie is how it's paced. Um, I think it's paced incredibly well. There's uh, something that I've kind of never gotten over. Um, since I heard it where James Mangold was talking about directing Dial of Destiny and the advice that Steven Spielberg gave him uh, to do Dial of Destiny. And he said, for Indiana Jones, always be moving. Uh, constantly. You do not stop. And I really, and I feel that in this movie in a good way. Like, I really feel like we get enough kind of emotional quiet moments, but they're interrupted by uh, action. And the action is always in service of the character. Is always Henry... When the when Henry enters the action, it's it's good. It informs Henry's character as he's going to know Indiana through, kind of a typical day for Indiana Jones, <laughs> right? Um, it, like there's the line where he's like, "You call this archaeology? Forgive my bad impression." <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so I I really I really like how it's paced in the sense that like it's it's never boring. It's never slow. It's constantly moving and, until until the end. And I. I I, uh, I'm, I'm constantly just like jazz to be on that ride. Sure. I, I agree with the pacing of it. Um, on the note of um, the, the grail Knights, mm-hmm. I think the biggest advantage is that it holds off you getting to the Nazis as the bad guys, mm-hmm. because just as you brought up, like the pacing's very good. Like when they're at the scene in Venice and they discover the night shield, all very good. They have that great boat boat chase. Um, scene. I also really like that. Like you wouldn't get that with a Nazi where he's holding him sure. and he's saying like, I'm prepared to get killed by this propeller. Um, I love that stuff. Like the, the yeah. idea again of like in Indiana has encountered someone of made entirely of belief. Mm-hmm. And that's something he's never really, we haven't watched him rub up against like that. That's a good point. Um, uh, that being said, um, I think that like, if you take them out, you have to have the Nazis pursuing them in Venice. So you have to get to the Nazis faster because you still need that, the movie to be moving. You need that action and everything and that sense of like urgency. Um, So you have to drop the Nazi flag even sooner. And like, that would be a little bit of a bummer, I think in terms of comparison to Raiders still um, Mm -hmm. being so entrenched in, in in 100% the Nazis right off the get go, rather than the reveal when he goes to get his dad at the castle that uh, Nazis hate these guys um a quick fun fact that i just thought of christopher columbus wrote the first draft of this film back when it was called uh indiana jones and the monkey king um that movie sounds wild there's a not there's a one-armed nazi with a robot arm and i kind of really want that game um and um this film is set in 1938 Raiders are set in 1932. There is, what was it? I wrote it down. There is eight years in between Raiders and the Last Crusade, but two years in universe. And I just find that funny. Yeah. Well, because Temple of Doom is a prequel. <laughs> yep. That's how it goes. Um, so it's funny because it's like, what is it? 1935 is Temple. And then, or is it 1934? Uh, 1934 is Temple, 1935 is Raiders, and 1937 Uh, is Last Crusade. Add a year to Raiders and Last Crusade. Uh, It's 36 Raiders, 38 uh, Crusade. Then Temple is 1935. 
So, so yeah, so it's like he he does that, and then he does Raiders, and then two years later he does this. Mm-hmm. But like that's really funny that like it's been eight years in in real time, but only two years in universe. He doesn't look that much older, so it doesn't really no, matter. He doesn't. Uh, Harrison Ford's clearly having a very good time in this movie, which is always which is always nice to see because he has a good time in all the original three. Yeah, um, I know. We'll get to it, but I would also argue Kingdom. Um, I'll argue for parts of Kingdom. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite scenes in this whole franchise is in this movie, which is the the uh, <laughs> this is a castle, is it not? We have come to see the tapestries. <laughs> If you are a Scottish lord, then I am Mickey Mouse. I love, I love the whole. I love the outfit that Indy's disguise is just. I'm going to put on Elsa's coat and hat, and she puts on her his coat and hat. It is funny to see him do such a silly bit. Um, That is some unique accent work from Harrison Ford. It is. You'd never really see him do something like that. No. Um, I really love the the. The, the <laughs> and it's really funny because when you know that his dad is Scottish and he's got that terrible accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, I really dig that scene. Um, speaking of Elsa, though, I really like Elsa as a character. Um, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I actually completely agree. She is because when I remember watching this film from when I was a kid and when I was really young, I only remembered her as the one who wanted the Grail, the one who. Uh, the one who was, you know, she was the one working with the Nazis. She wanted the Grail, and after rewatching this film, it's like she, well, obviously she chose the wrong side, and she does. Would you say she chose poorly? Oh, she definitely chose poorly. <laughs> um, the more I, the when I watch this film, it's like you know what? While I don't agree with her character, I kind of feel for her character because even though she has that scene where she's loyal to the Grail and not the swastika, and like which you can definitely see how she's distraught over watching the Nazis do their their book burning when they're having that big parade in Berlin, and she's just watching and she's disgusted. But of course, she doesn't do anything because she's employed by these guys. She's there to serve her own means, and of course, she gets her just desserts in the end. She you know she thinks she can reach it and she falls to her doom. Um, but at the same time, you know, while she is a bad guy, um, she's not really a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm still, just, I'm just kidding. Thank she well. she had. There's more depth to her than like you can tell. She doesn't agree with the Nazis, but at the same time, it's like you're still a bad person. There's a good. There's a good amount of discussion to be had about if you side with the Nazis, are culpable. Um, and I think that and I think in, in 1989, they weren't really thinking about that. Even Spielberg, um, who hates Nazis. Um, but like, I, I so I think the movie does play. If you look at the movie through the lens of 1989, it does play well that Elsa clearly is not subscribed to ide- to Nazi ideology. But if you look at the movie through the lens of 2023, it still makes her problematic. And I get that she is still a bad person in this in this movie, but we are we are meant to sympathize with her. And I think that's a little harder to do in today's climate. Yeah. But then you got guys like um, Donovan, who was like, yeah, I'm glad he just turns into dust. (laughs) I do like Donovan as a character. Sparks. I look even when I've seen the movie before 2023. So the last time I saw it probably a couple times before I don't find her that sympathetic. Like I get the movie wants to try to trick me into feeling that sympathetic with the book burning. That's not enough. 
Mm-hmm. Like the fact that she likes to care for books doesn't change the fact of everything else she's been willing to do. She does ostensibly leave Indy and his father for death. Like she's, she is not a good person. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's not a lot of like, she might not agree with everything the Nazis are doing, but she does agree with a chunk of it. Um, <laughs> Uh, she's not, I I don't think like they do enough in the movie to make me think that she has a fully rounded arc of sympathy, especially when like, if you put into context, the scene where she does uh, end up making out with Indy early in the film, um, just the way that's played. I'm like, there's, there's maliciousness to play it that way and then turn coat on him later. So I, I've, I've, I've never interpreted her that way. I think like, you could argue she's a victim of the culture she lives in, but like she's, she point. makes choices that aren't good choices. I mean, you're always, you've always uh, through our entire life been far more socially conscious than I am. And so it's probably comes into play a little bit there. She's got a scene later where like we're after the book burning scene where we're supposed to think more fondly of her. And they're like looking at the, the reflective glass on the Hill and they're like, huh, maybe that's not them. And she's like, no, that's Indy. Shoot him. <laughs> um, true. Good point. Um, I have really nothing to add to that. Um, I, I, wanna... think she's, I think she's a good performance. Uh, I will say that. Like, I, I like, I like the role she plays in the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like her as a character. I think she's, I think she, I think she has a really great reveal at the end when, not at the end, sorry, at the, when, when it's revealed that she is a Nazi and, um, you get that standoff moment where where Indy's not sure what to do, and Henry's telling him, "Just let her, let her, let, let her die. She's a Nazi." Um, uh, so I really, I really like that scene, and I think that the the actress plays the character really well. Uh, I think she's got good chemistry with Indiana when we first meet them. <clears throat> so yeah, I wish I wish they'd done more with like the idea for, that lives in the book scene of like that she could turn on the Nazis and support Indy. Like when she, you know, all I could do is scream, which is true. She, she could have stopped Indy in his tracks right there. Um, And I feel like you could have done something where like, she does value the, the, the uh, grail not getting in the Nazi hands more than anything else. And she could have come around to that side and then still fall into her fate. And you could have done that. It's just the movie's not really interested in telling that story with her. Right. Um, I want to real quickly uh, jump to the beginning of the movie. Sure. If we're if we're good if we're good on Elsa, um, the beginning of the movie is um, a, a a very silly um, uh, kind of story of how River Phoenix becomes Harrison Ford. Um, I I think River Phoenix is very fun as Harrison Ford. He he talked about it after the movie that and to get ready for the role he didn't watch Indiana Jones. He watched Harrison Ford. So he mimics a lot of who Harrison Ford is. And I think that shows he has a lot of his mannerisms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's really, I think that's really cool. And I really like river Phoenix as the young Indiana Jones. Um, there's the bit where he does the, it's just a snake. And I'm like, that's, that's so Harrison Ford. (laughs) Yeah. And and like, he does the point and he's still, and he's still talking. Like he, he does has, he has an unbroken sentence when he's, when he's doing the snake. Um, yeah, I really, I really, it's a real shame uh, that we didn't get more River Phoenix, Indiana Jones. Um, I know he turned down Young Indiana Jones, and then died shortly after the show aired. Sure, um, 
but that yeah but yeah i, I the, the scene is really silly and it's really funny to me that they that they made solo just two two hours of that scene um not a dig like i like solo um i just think it's like you know it's like this is how he becomes this is how he gets the scar this is how he gets the whip this is how he get he gets the hat this is how he like this is how he gets afraid of snakes um i think all of that is very very fun silly yeah um i do like the whip moment in particular i thought that was really cool yeah, yeah. apparently credited as fedora i think his name is richard young he was meant to be abner ravenwood mm. originally like that yeah. was going to be the idea it's not because they took that idea out but i found that kind of interesting that would be a weird way to meet abner it would has- be especially like abner not usually wanting to get something for at least in the context that we're given from raiders um though i guess you could argue he'd be younger yeah. um and maybe more more foolhardy they, the vibe is a little it's a little it's almost a little too uh one day this kid will be just like me uh it's it's almost a little too much that yeah, um i'm with you i don't know i actually liked it like when uh when that guy the one the looter is at the train and he's watching indiana run from the train acting uh successfully hoodwinked him he just necessarily smiles like oh this kid's gonna be good someday see i don't I, think that's i don't think that's the intent anymore though like you you might think that in the moment but i don't think that's the intent because when he what he's really thinking is, I know where he lives. Uh, like, we got him. We know where he's oh, going. He's I thought, not really getting away. I read it as what Ben was saying. The, 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 like, the proud, like the pride in his, in his, in his face. I read it that way. Yeah, I yeah. think, I think you're supposed to read it in that moment. I'm not discrediting that because when you're watching the movie for the first time, like, that is the read you're supposed to have because you don't think you're going to see that guy again. Yeah. <laughs> But I do think that there's a part of it where the thing is that he's like, not that he knows where he lives, but like he knows they're still going to get him. He's like, that kid's good. Still going to get him. Um, but that that kind of section has a great match cut with the hat, uh, which I really like. Um, and he um, will put the hat away. Um, and he uh, is on the boat with this dude who had stolen the who had taken the cross. Um, I, there's not I don't have a lot to say about this scene except for i freaking adore the double punch when he's over by the dynamite and the two guys run at him and he just takes a giant swing and clocks them both in the chin i'm like hell yes yeah it's a really it's a really good transition shot that you were bringing up with the hat thing um the double punch is very good i think that's really funny Mm -hmm. um i just like the ship scene in general um, I think it's just the whole thing's a good action and, and roundup piece for Indy in this film. Yeah. Um, something he'd been after the whole time. Um, uh, I don't think you guys are wrong, by the way, necessarily. I think he there is pride in Indy in that moment, but I do think there's also an amount of like, I'm going to get you. Mm-hmm. Um, I did notice, I didn't bring it up before the last time we talked about these movies, but I do think it's kind of surprising how simplistic the titles remain for these films. They don't get more fancy with the, like it's all still the Raiders of the Lost Ark style. You know, they didn't even like, once they add Indiana Jones on it, they didn't even do it in the classic font that we have on the, you know, like what's behind us right now. Like what's usually there when you see Indiana Jones name going like getting a little smaller as it goes to the right and everything. Like it looks really cool and everything. And like the tiles are still just like plain white text, Indiana Jones. No, they they do in Temple of Doom. I don't remember that. I don't think yeah. they do. 
No, in the copy of Temple of Doom I have, they did it in that font, and then in uh, um, what should we call it? I haven't seen, I haven't rewatched Raiders yet, but in Last Crusade and Kingdom of Crystal Skull, they do the regular font, but in Temple of Doom, they use that font with um, what's your name in front of it singing, and it says Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Oh, you know what? You might be right. Hmm. I could, I honestly, it's been a few weeks since I saw it. Maybe that's why I didn't think to bring it up before, but like looking at it now, I'm like, no. Oh kind of sad in a way (laughs) these opening titles are kind of like to me um not the not the opening of the film just the fact that it's like it's less it's less bombastic with the title than i think it should be nobody else cares but me which is fine um i care Mm, not really and i think i think it's a valid point to bring up (laughs) all right i do no okay you have value um so i i uh, the the venice sequences are really fun um donovan let's talk about donovan um i think donovan is a is a cool villain i like his reveal i think it's an effective reveal that he's the 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 he's working with the nazis but i really like his introductory scene because it allows to do something that sparks was talking about last time we talked about this which it allows indiana to be a dork and I really like it with Indiana's dork. I think it's very fun. Um, and it, it, Harrison Ford is able to play this character as this kind of bookish uh, professor. And, and he gets to do it in, in a scene like this. And I think that's, and we get also when he's uh, inscribing the, on the, when he's on top of the, on Sir Richard's shield, um, we get, uh, we get it there too. Um, but I think it's a very good scene with the, with Donovan and, and Indy kind of, Back and forth. How much do we know about the Grail Knight? How what what have we what have we learned about the Grail stories? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's that is actually a fun little uh, contest they have there. It's like, oh yeah, I've heard this bedtime story too. I know that. And then he's like, I try and ask my dad. It's like, we did. Your dad's the man who's gone missing. What? Anyway. That's such a good. That's such a good reveal of um of that uh, of that kind of moment because like you know Spielberg was very interested in doing a story about about Indiana Jones's father. That's what Spielberg does best is, is these kind of stories is the way he unresolved his father issues is by doing all these movies. Um, and he, um, and, and introducing, we have Indiana talking about his dad and talking about like, Hey, he's a tenure professor and blah, blah, blah. But the reveal that his dad is going to be an active participant in this movie is a good one. Cause like, Oh, we're actually going to meet as an audience member, you're like, Oh, we're actually going to meet Indiana Jones's father. That's, that's exciting. Cause we're not expecting, uh, Sean Connery to be the type of the Henry Jones, uh, that he is, mm-hmm. which again, I really like him in this yeah. role as a fuddy duddy professor. I really like, I really I- like his arc. Um, I really like his arc of, as the as it goes on because we see him it signified really well i think kind of vocally to the audience where we see him kind of disapproving of indiana having killed these nazis and we're like hey look what you did i can't believe what you did and then when we see henry has later in the tank sequence henry has killed some nazis brody says look what you did i can't believe what you did and i think that's a really good signifier of like oh henry has been on this arc and you see him throughout the movie, he's getting progressively more comfortable doing the things that Indiana, we know Indiana will do and, and taking kind of these orders like here, man, the gun here, do this. 
it's well, it's a new experience for me, culminating with the seagulls, where he pl- takes an active participant in in the action finally, and then we carry that on to the tank sequence. I think it's a really solid arc and a really fun thing to watch. Uh, uh, Sean Connery kind of get more confident with doing some more action as Henry rather than just being thrown along with Indiana. My one of my favorite um, jokes between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery is when they're in the biplane and Indy yells 11 o'clock. He checks his watch and goes, what happens? He does that. And then he accidentally shoots the tail. He's like, I'm sorry, son. They got us. That is my favorite joke in the whole movie. And I shit you not. When, 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 dad, are we hit? Son, I'm sorry. They got us. <laughs> like it is just, such a good John Connery is so funny in that not, moment. Not only that, it's just a, a dad thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, it, like when you're a kid, you don't normally s- notice your dad mess up. So, of course, when so it's like, what happened? He's like, they got us. And you turn around, and you're like, how are they? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, I really like, I really like it when Indiana is kind of stringing people along because, you know, you know, he does it a lot in Temple of Doom, um, even even Raiders to an extent, um, but I, I would argue less so. Um, but like Indiana has to kind of string these people along um, who are not familiar with this lifestyle that Indiana Jones has been living in for years. And so he um, so, you know, he has that line where where um, he goes into the boat and is like, um, this is another this is another day for you is like, no, but it's better than most. <laughs> like, you know, he's got that. He's got that moment where where Henry is revealing is kind of seeing what his son actually does, which you know comes with with the line like "You call this archaeology?" Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Sean Connery in this movie so much, you guys. It is um, one. It is one of the best performances he ever gives in his career. I agree. Thank you for saying it. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> so, it's it's me saying like this is a very great performance and saying like some of Sean Connery's or not um yeah. <laughs> but but he has good ones and this is one of the better ones yeah um the tank sequence uh the tanks chase sequence is is incredible um i love it so much i love how it's choreographed i love how it's shot i i love how it's cut between inside the tank and outside the tank the line uh, Do- uh jones is getting away i think not her doctor not that jones the other jones <laughs> And Harrison Ford laughing with four horses running away. Incredible. Um, I I love the, the the tank scene so, so much. Just everything up until Indy falls. Uh, not Indy, but the, the Nazi falls off the cliff. Like, I just, I think it's it's, it's incredible sequence. It is. It's very good. The All of the action and chase sequences in this one are really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a subtle acting moment that I also really la- like at the end of that sequence when Indiana is alive and he, and he comes up, he comes up next to, to Henry and um, he, and he embrace and Henry embraces him. And you see like, like Indiana kind of like, like kind of fall into his arms and like smile, like, Oh, I'm getting hugged by my dad. <laughs> um, I think that's a really, that's a really sweet moment. Yeah. Ford's a very good actor. Yeah, he really is. You sometimes forget because he really hasn't been for some time. <laughs> no, yeah, you do. You really do forget. Um, yeah, and he and uh, um, let me see. Let me see. I don't want to just say things I like, but let me go back to my notes. Uh, I do wish. I do wish that we got a little bit of Henry having to deal with rats 
Um, we know that he's scared of rats. We get we get a line of dialogue of it. But one of the things that kind of makes kind of makes Indiana endearing, and I don't think you need this with Henry. Um, like I don't really think you do. I it's just kind of a lament more than a criticism. Um, where I I I like that we are introduced to Indiana being scared of snakes, and then he has to confront a problem with snakes. But Henry doesn't get that. He doesn't. We we learn that Henry is scared of rats, but he never has to confront rats in the scenario i don't necessarily think it's important to the movie but it is kind of something i wish we got you know sure um let's see oh um i uh the so the the three trials Mm -hmm. are are i really i really like how man i will never forget in the latin alphabet jehovah starts with an i Neither for as I. long as I live, neither will I. Like that is that is something I like. I I watched that when I was two or whatever. I was not two, but like whenever the first time I watched it, that line has been stuck in my brain since the first moment I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was so smart. Did you know that in the Latin alphabet, Jehovah starts with an I? Um, and then my little kid brain would be like, "Who's Jehovah?" <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, the Grail Knight, uh, is int- we see the Grail Knight and, and, um, Donovan's old age is definitely invocative of the face melting sequence from Raiders. I don't think it's a better effect. I think that face melting scene is like truly incredible. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but I really like the effect of Donovan growing old i like the stop motion elements we do get a little cgi of the eyes disappearing in the back of the head which is always terrifying to me no it's really um, good yeah i really i really i really like it like just I, and also just donovan's arrogance because the whole when like when you first oh i love it like, like i love it like this truly is the cup of the king of kings yeah because he thinks like gold jewels status and it's like even i mean obviously we know the answer because you know you, we know the answer, but even then, it's like you're forgetting who Jesus was, my guy. You're kind of stupid because you're only thinking about what the church does nowadays or what it did back then with like all the gold and the gilded stuff. It's like, no, yeah, it's like it would not be made of gold, and that looks like the cup of a carpenter. Um, yeah, yeah I really, I really, I really like a lot of that. It's inter- it's interesting how they were able to kind of make something like truly inv- evocative of. The, of the, what this cup could have been had Jesus like not like the biblical aspect but like really go go into like historically speaking what would this have actually looked like um something that I think the Indiana Jones films just do well at least mm-hmm. these three. Oh yeah um yeah um let's see I, I mean I can I got notes too I can throw in anytime you want I've been I've been just vamping go ahead okay um so there's a lot more expansion on the indie motif in the score yeah i i probably agree with you if i if i ever analyze it for some reason i have no idea um there's probably a lot uh to love in the score that makes it the, the best of them mm-hmm. um but i think there's a lot of good expansion on it from john williams uh the x never marks the spot to x does in fact marks the spot because of the roman numeral 10 is a good gag um same with the librarian stamping with the that is such a good gag i the, love that so much. It. 
Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. There's a lot of like... There was humor in the other movies, but I didn't feel like as much of it was like send-ups of old school film humor as was in this movie. Sure. Like, that's a bit from like older films. Yeah. For sure. And so is um, the fireplace bit where they're rotating mm-hmm. like that's out of so many old films. I'm like, man, like the humor is good in this movie. There's a lot of like old school film humor. In this and there's movie. A, a lot of great, that. go ahead. There's a lot of great visual gags. Like you just brought up the fireplace scene. Like when, when it go, turns around and Henry is like flush against the wall as he's turning right. and you get the punch sound effect and the Nazi falls out. Right. Yeah. That's um, very good. Uh, Yeah. Um, I like the Ark of the Covenant motif when they see it on the wall. I think that's I very too. cute. Yeah. Uh, I want to highlight Harrison has, I think this might be the one with Harrison's best performance. Yeah. That might be true. Um, I think his acting when they find the night shield and how, how he gets elated about it, I think is very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, We've already talked about a couple of other parts where he's very good. Um, and that it's also one of Connery's best performances in a similar vein. I really love his excitement when Indy tells him where that they figured out where to start the search when he tells him the name of the place, like the way that that Connery does Henry getting excited is, is really, really convincing. Yeah. Um, I think their chemistry with each other, you already highlighted is, is really strong. I would, I would agree with you. I, I think I would agree that this is Harrison's best performance as Indy. Yeah. I think that's probably accurate. Like, yeah. I don't think he's ever phoning it in as Indy. Yeah. Um, but I think this is probably his top, top level. Yeah. Um, there's a really good gag uh, cut from Indy talking up Marcus to the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Smash cut to him being like, I'm sorry, does anybody speak English? Uh, <laughs> can anyone tell me where I am? Uh, Did you catch the line where he says, uh, no, thank you. It would, no, I would not like some water. Fish, fish, what, poop in it? Yeah, fish poop in it. Um, <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, oh, fish make uh, love to it. It's fish make love in it. Uh, Marcus is is a, a lot in this movie, but yeah. it's fun. Um, I really enjoy it. I'm glad Marcus becomes part of this so much. Um, I really, I really like the team of Sala, Marcus, Indy and, and Henry. I want to say I love Sala in it. I kind of wish Sala was given more to do. Yeah. Like I love seeing him. I just feel like he's not given enough presence in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a couple of good moments, but then most of the time he's just kind of also there, mm-hmm. uh, which bum me, bums me out a little bit. Um, that Saul is not a little bit more of a presence. I don't disagree with that. I really like him in the movie, um, but I, I do wonder. That's a good question. I do wonder how much of that is just I just like John Reese Davies as yeah, like I as, love seeing as him, his character, but I feel like he's not given enough to do. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, We'll get into a couple of highlights in a moment, but um, I did want to say like what you were bringing up some of your favorite jokes. One of my favorite jokes in the whole movie is she talks in her sleep. <laughs> and there's the smile. And then just like the looking back at each other. <laughs> <laughs> the smile Sean Connery gives kills me every time. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of Sala's best bits is when he's doing the like run 
when he's yeah. telling Marcus to run and he does the punch. That's like, that's a really great, like that whole section with him and Marcus, that's where I'm like, yeah, Saul is in this movie. And then we don't see him again for a while. Right. Um, and, and like that bums me out. And then when we do see him again, I'm just going to bring it up now because like when we get to the tank scene, like I really like the bit where he grabbed the camels, even though Indy's like no camels. And he's like, these are to repay my brother for the car. <laughs> um, but then Sala leaves the action scene until it's almost over. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know where he goes with those camels. He goes. I don't think he got them, them to his brother that quickly. Like <laughs> he, he gives just it to takes his brother them somewhere, and we don't see them again. And then he comes back at the end of the scene. But I'm like, it's over now. Like Sala didn't get to do anything there, and then he's just kind of along for the ride. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, 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 I'm just picturing now. He just runs to his brother-in-law real quick. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I don't. I, it's a good gag. I think it's funny. I just like when Sala comes back, I'm like, Oh, I'm really glad you're still in this movie, but also what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, and then at the, and then he only in the final, in the, the, the kind of climax, climax moment of the movie, he's only serves in the same similar world that Marcus serves in, which is just to yell at Indy to hurry. Right. Um, but he, but Marcus had more to do in the movie than Sala. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of my thing. It's like, I feel like there was room to do a little more with Sala. I just do. Yeah. Um, especially as we get into that third act. Yeah. Uh, we talked, we talked about it a little bit, but that motorcycle motorcycle chase scene is just really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. The way that he, he stops them and takes them out and, and Connery always looks disapproving. Um, <laughs> except for really- once, except for once when he takes the Lance. Yes. That's when the Sean Connery's excited. Uh, yeah. Um, really interesting Hitler gag. <laughs> when he signs the, the, the journal. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. And then it came, it came up and like, as it was, it, as it was about to happen, I was like, Oh, right. This happens in this movie. I was like, this is just, it's just weird. Um, it's just weird. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just, it's so weird. Sure, um, yeah. I, I guess like, I don't think this is a 2023 thing. I think this is a thinking about like Spielberg and like what it means to have Hitler in the movie and like to use Hitler contextually in a joke just feels a little strange. Sure. I get that. Uh, I just, I just like, I watch it and I'm like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about the fact that this is funny Mm -hmm. and like, it feels a little out off that it is. Um, But it is funny. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> it's, it's very Mel Brooksian, isn't it? It's 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 almost on that, and I guess it just it feels just a touch out of place, almost. Yeah. Um, in that way, yeah, it feels like a gag I'd see in History of the World, yeah, or something. Um, it just feels so strange here. Uh, another one of my favorite jokes, and another one of my favorite scenes is the blimp. And the no ticket gag. Oh yeah, I love that so much. No that's, ticket. That, that might be that might be my favorite joke in the whole thing. Is is yeah. no ticket, and then everybody else like, oh, here's my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I like the moment when he when he when he like takes the um, takes the guy like takes the guy by the arm. And like, oh hey, how's it going? Um, I like the whole blimp scene. Honestly, like I, I really like the the moment between Henry and Indy. Mm-hmm. When they're when they're having that kind of heart to heart, where Henry's like, "Well, I'm here now. Talk. What do you want yeah. to talk about?" And Indy just can't think about anything. That feels right. very real. Sure, it does. Um, 
so I really, I really like, I really like that kind of quiet moment. But then you know, it's interrupted by like, let's go on a biplane now. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it really highlights really well this idea of like an, an experience. I think absolutely everybody probably has in one form or another at one point or another with a parent, mm-hmm. where it is this idea of like you're boiling it down to like, how come we never really talk? But like the, the concept is like, how come we never like actually say anything meaningful to each other? Right. Like how come there's no convert, like there's no important conversation we ever have with each other. It's like, okay. And the, usually that is like, that's very of the time. And then on for a while into our parents and everything like of like a comeback of like, okay, well I'm here. What do you want to talk about? And like, you're yeah. supposed to come up with the topic right there. It's like, that's not the point. The point isn't that there's something I want to specifically talk about right now. Just like, I want us to have something meaningful shared between us and like wanting to express that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. We can all relate. Oh, really? I mean, I know you can, I'm assuming on Ben. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm actually sparks. I'm hoping you have more though. I don't want to stop. Oh, I do. Sure. Yeah. I just wanted to leave room for Ben to jump in. Ben already said what he wanted to say. He's like, the movie's great. Next. <laughs> I mean, um, kind of, yeah. I have, I really have no notes against it. When I was watching this, uh, I was having fun watching uh, Last Crusade again. Ben, I want you to know that I, I for many years, just stopped doing research for the show, and just stopped preparing for many episodes. But for these episodes, I was like, I'm going to be more prepared than I've ever been prepared in my freaking life. Okay. So I got pages, baby. Oh, Brandon, Brandon throwing previous episodes just under the bus. Just whoosh. me in previous episodes. Sure. Who directed um, this? I don't know. Subdued. Uh, the the Nazi in the tunnel when they're doing the plane chase. And just the, he just comes sliding through <laughs> before he blows up. <laughs> he just explodes. Also one of my favorite Henry bits, and I think just a good bit between like Indy and Henry and and Indy seeing like this different way of approaching things, but like an admiration for his father and how he does it with the umbrella and the birds. Yeah. Um, and he quotes uh, Shakespeare in that moment. Um, right? Charlemagne, I think. Right, Charlemagne. Yeah, Charlemagne. Yeah. Uh, I just remembered my Charlemagne. Um Overall, the movie has just a lot of great action and great humor. That's just true across the board. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay. I wish Ryan were here for this, guys. Hmm. We have a question. Yeah. And it's a question we both have. How did they turn everything around on the Nazis at the end, guys? What, what happened? Yeah. Okay. So uh, all of a sudden, Sala has a gun on the Nazis and says, drop it, please. And there's a sound right before that at the cavern wall that the Nazis turn and look at, but we don't see anybody come in. How did they turn everything around on the Nazis at the end of the movie, guys? So, so, okay, here, so, okay. I see what you're saying. And I'm, I thought that the people who were with, the people who were left with Donovan were the, were the Sultan's men, Uh not the Germans. Uh-huh. And so when they see Henry alive, they get spooked. And then the Nazis who are left are they drop so they, the spooked the spooked guys drop the guns and that's Sala picks up the gun 
at and the Nazis are are um, taken aback by by the commotion of the others leaving. Okay, okay, that's what that, happens. That's how I've always seen the scene. Cool. It is not clear. Yeah. Um, it is not clear how they get the upper hand on the Nazis. Um, it's also not clear uh, <laughs> why the Nazis are just like letting Indy heal his father. Um, <laughs> like, I he walked out with the Grail. What are you doing? <laughs> um, I mean, these are stormtroopers. They don't have brains. Sala gets a gun on one of them, and they all drop them. Um, it's just the movie little, needs to be over. It's just a little strange. That's sure. all I'm saying. It's just a little strange. And then they all conveniently, like, thank goodness there was only this amount. They all fall in the cracks, I guess, or they run away. That, that that's true. Um, I I really I really like the um. One of the things I really like about the Indiana Jones franchise is the the um. Uh, price that comes with finding these mystical artifacts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, if you open the Ark of the Covenant and you're not pure of heart, you die. Or I'm sure that's probably it or not. Um, and uh, but here it's like, yeah, you can be immortal in this temple. But once you leave this temple, you can't you won't be immortal anymore. And the Grail can never leave this temple. Right. And I really so I really like the the kind of price of like the price of immortality. I like that that's in this movie and that Elsa Elsa's greed triggers the, the destruction of the, of the temple. Right. There's a, there's a great and classic energy that you just can't get away from, from how they do like the night and, and his presence and, yeah. and the way he treats Indy as he comes in and the others. Mm, something very iconic about that for sure. Yeah, I really like his lighting, which you know he is illuminated under like this kind of this kind of cold bluish light. Yeah, and uh, everyone else around him is in the warm light of the fire. Yeah, everyone else around him. <laughs> mm. I mean, she just couldn't let the, the let the Grail go. Um, and Brandon already brought it up at the top, but uh, the um, Indiana Indiana let it go. Uh, is is really good because you know it's him having called him junior throughout the movie really speaking to in in 1989 terms of a uh set in the 30s film acknowledging his preferred identity yes uh, and to bring him to recognize like what he's the very trap that he's allowed himself to fall into that elsa just did yeah um uh i i appreciate that a lot I do too. Every single time when he, it just always gets me. For sure. Um, okay. Shall we rate, rate, rate it? Mm, yeah, let's uh, do it. Named after the dog. <laughs> um, I do just, I do just like, I love Sala being there. I, I think that that's even part of it. Like why I don't get that moment entirely is when Sala gets a gun on them is like Sala just didn't get enough presence. So like, it's, it's such a whirlwind moment. I wish he was given just a little bit more. Sure. It's maybe my one actual gripe about the movie. Um, smart. smart yeah. yeah. Oh, the yeah. cinematography is good again in this movie. Of course. The cinematography and the lighting. Did you look up if it's the same from it Temple is. of Doom? And yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. There's a they have a regardless of the writers changing, the cinematography consistency between these three films is part of why I think they just like 
kind of stand pristine in their own in their own way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so Ben, why don't you rank it? Rate it. Oh, rate it easy. Nine, nine out of ten. Um, yeah. Still awesome time, fun movie. Um, can't really say anything negative about it. It's it's a great Indiana Jones film. Sparks. Well, it's a ten out of ten. I don't know what Ben's doing. I was gonna um, say <laughs> it's a ten. I can't say anything negative about it. Nine out of ten. <laughs> it's a ten. It's this and Raiders. They're tens, like baby. It's it, you don't get better Indiana Jones than these. I'll I'll say Raiders is a ten, but it's a ten because of nostalgia's sake, and it's a ten because I've seen that one the mm. most. That too. And it's a ten because when I when I hear the term adventure, I think I instantly think of Raiders first, but then I instantly but then I think of Last Crusade second. I'm not, not to I'm say not, Last Crusade's a bad movie. It's definitely not. Look, I'm not here to criticize other people's rankings. Everyone's allowed to rate and rake anything however they want. And I don't think like you should compare films, which is why I'm not going to be like Ben. If the third Bill and Ted movie is a ten, what? Why is this a nine? He because, didn't give Bill and Ted a ten because films are different. That's right. Ben was out of his mind. Um, <laughs> it's just I'm not really judging. Funny. I'm not judging. I'm, I'm, I, everyone has their own way of doing it. Uh, I'm, I am far too kind. I will usually rate things higher than maybe they would be by most people, but I'm like, eh, if I don't need to be picky about it, then it's this. Um, in my heart, 10 out of 10. Same for me. 10 out of 10. Uh, this is my favorite Indiana Jones film. One of my favorite Spielberg movies. Um, I, I adore, adore. I cannot tell you. I cannot emphasize enough how much I just love this movie. Just with all my heart. All right. Now that we did that. Um, real quick, Grayson said, never really thought of it, but with Harrison Ford playing Indiana the way he did, could he have played an Iron Man or Reed Richards back in the day? Uh, yes on the Iron Man, no on the Reed Richards. And like, yeah, I, we're doing a lot of like contextual stuff. Like, but at this age, could he have played Iron Man? Absolutely. That's a good point. Well, should we go into Kingdom of the Crystal Skull then? Uh, real quick. Also, Grayson. Yes. Um, if if you follow along, our our episode after the next two come out is going to be all Indiana Jones. It's going to be Indiana Jones for a while, on real score. Uh, okay, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I wanted to give my 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 thing a highlight. Um, so this is the fourth the fourth installment of of Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones: The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Once again, directed by Steven Spielberg. Written but this time by David Coep, um, who directed with. Uh, Spielberg, Jurassic Park 1, who wrote with Spielberg, Jurassic Park 1 and 2, A Mission Impossible 1, uh, Spider-Man, the 2017 Mummy, Kimmy, recently, War of the Worlds. Um, and he is one of four credited writers on Dial of Destiny, mm. which I found interesting. Lawrence Kasdan came back to script doctor a lot of the relationship dialogue between uh, Harrison Ford and uh, Karen Allen. What amount there was. What amount there was. Uh, that was that was Lawrence Kasdan. All right, that's all I got up top. So let's get into it. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, what do we think? Benjamino. Well, this is the first time I've seen it since theaters. Ditto. Ditto. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, I mean, I don't hate it as much as I did back then. I still think, take out the aliens, put in something else, you have a a decent Indiana Jones film. Um, I definitely think pop culture and like, like... the general consensus of the, about this movie has definitely kind of taken my re- or 
definitely giving me like added fuel to the bias fire. Um, I mean, really, it's if you think if you compare this one to the other ones, it is a very I don't want to call it paint by numbers Indiana Jones film. I want to give a credit for trying something new, and that is the aliens. But at the same time, it, aliens just don't fit with Indiana Jones being an adventure. But I will give them credit where credit's due. They try something new. And I mean, really, now that I think about it, it's, it's not as bad as I remember it. I mean, some parts aren't the best, but yeah, I mean, it, it's there. Sparks? Uh, I, like Ben, do not think it's as bad as we remember. Um, I've talked a lot of trash in the lead up to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but like, I don't think it's a, I've seen a lot of bad movies and like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is not a bad movie. It is perhaps misguided. Um, and I think that the aliens are not the problem. They really aren't. I think execution is the problem. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, personally, I am of the opinion that it's not, it's, it's kind of for me around Temple of Doom. Um, as, as you guys know, it was not as hot on Temple of Doom as you guys are. I really like the movie. Truthfully, I like every Indiana Jones film. I've seen all of them multiple times. Um, I still find enough to like about this movie to rewatch it frequently. Um, but I mentioned that this was that Last Crusade was like, you know, it's the three of them. Lucas Ford and Spielberg in sync. This is this is them not. I mean, it's painfully obvious that they're really just not in sync for what this movie was going to be. Um, and they, because of that, probably shouldn't have made this one. And I know that's why the fifth Indiana Jones film never got off the ground is because they could never, they kind, they just couldn't agree on what that movie was going to be. Um, so uh, that's kind of a bummer. But yeah, it's 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 fun. I have a lot to talk about with this one. Um, it has my favorite uh, Paramount uh, transition. Well, sure. That's pretty. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. This one. All the others just fade to black. That's not fair. No, no. The Paramount ones always fade to a mountain. Mm. The, the Paramount logo is always. It's a staple of the, of the franchise. It fades into every single time. Fades into a mountain. The first one is the mountain that we're that we're kind of zoomed in on before we go down to meet Indy. Um, the, the third one is, what's the third one? Oh, the second one's really funny. The second one is the gong. It's, it fades into the, the Paramount logo is on the gong. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, one is the, is the, the third one is the mountains in Utah. Yes. Yeah, so the third one's the mountains in Utah. Um, but this one is the, <laughs> is the, the mole hill, the gopher hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just find that very funny for some reason. Um, it's really one thing. They made a mountain out of a molehill. Cute. I like that. Um, this was the, um, the, 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 this is kind of when I was watching this, I was a little concerned. I was like, Oh my goodness. Um, Paramount's not, not making dial of destiny. We're not going to get a transition from the Paramount logo. And then I saw their name was on, was on the poster. And I was like, Oh baby, are we going to get one more? We're going to get one last one. Um, so let's get into it. Crystal skull. I think Sparks is right. The execution is shit. Um, it's just sloppy. I, I've had, I have had to wrestle with the inclusion of the aliens, interdimensional beings, um, for many, many years. Because I'll contend that I, honestly, this movie's got me for like a lot of its runtime. 
And then it loses me. And it loses me. The exact point is when Shia, Shia LaBeouf is swinging with the monkeys. Um, but it's, but the, 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 <coughs> when we get into kind of what the crystal skull is, the thing about Indiana Jones that I've always liked is the ambiguity of just mysticism, right? Like we never really know that Jesus Christ was real. We know that the grail is real. So therefore the, the story around the grail must be real, but it could just be a mystical artifact with no with history that we made up. Same with the Ark, same with the Sankara stones. I mean, the Sankara stones are made up, are made up MacGuffin based on a real thing. So, but the crystal skulls being from aliens. And then we see the aliens and we see the saucer and we see all this. And I'm like, that's too much. You, you, for me, you're breaking, you're kind of breaking to me. It, it breaks the world mm-hmm. a little bit. I, I don't 100% agree with that. Sure. Um, I don't think it breaks anything any more than a night that lived as long as the night did in the last crusade. Sure. What I do think is that the saucer is a step too far. Yeah. I will say that. Um, I would feel maybe a little differently about the seeing the alien if Indy saw the alien alive. Um, he didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, no one did technically. Kate Blanchett's eyes burst into flame. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> I I hear you. But I we see. We no, no, see no. I, I I I agree. I agree. Yeah. I would have preferred, and and I talked with Ryan about this, like the the way to do this in classic, what we've watched trilogy wise indie fashion, is that I really like the idea of the skeletons like starting to combine with each other because mm-hmm. of the way the thing is whirling around, and so that's what it looks like. And I would have cut that like halfway before it really forms into anything, and then you just cut to Kate Blanchett's face yeah. and the horror of what she's seeing, and her eyes can burst into flame and all that. You leave it. And that's it. And no saucer. You don't see the final thing she saw. That's how you do it, right? Like yeah. that's classic indie trilogy way. And it, and if they left it at that, I would be much much more on board with the execution of the alien stuff. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I think they just overshow the hand, and also oh, yeah. because the CGI is not good, even mm-hmm. for the time, which is nuts. This was not a low budget movie, but like. No. Peter Jackson's King Kong came out a few years before and looks better than this. Yeah. I, I definitely, while I was watching this movie, I definitely remember, I mean, obviously the skull should be like the dead giveaways. Like it's aliens. But like when I saw it, I was like, I thought it was just like a, a freaky ass skull. That's what, all I thought. And like the reveal of the aliens was, you know, inside the saucer, when they all come together, you see them and the saucer goes up. But when we see the, like when they're in, um, they camp and Indy's chained up and you see the remains of the dead alien already. It's like, wow. I, cause I do not remember that from my first viewing. Can I, can I, can I interrupt you real quickly? And because you brought up the, the dead alien, I don't understand the point of that dead alien to the story. It's supposed to be from Roswell, New Mexico. I get that. I get that. I don't understand like Kate Blanche is like, I've searched everywhere for this thing. It doesn't take her closer to Akatar. It doesn't have any hint at where Akatar will go. It's just, she's just looking for other, she's just collecting these things. Not only that, she has this obvious Darth Vader trying to do the force moment on Indy when she first meets him. And then they, and then the FBI agents tell him like, yeah, she's trying to do like psychic warfare 
Um, so you think that that's why she's trying to find these skulls, but really she's just like, no, I just want to bring glory to the Soviet Union. No, she wants, she's chasing, she's chasing knowledge. Yeah. Like for, for herself, like that, her obsession is, is, and that's true of all of our indie villains usually is that their main obsession usually overtakes them. Like their Mm -hmm. individual obsession, regardless of like the greater thing that they're working inside of the machinations of the machine don't matter as much as their personal goals. That was true of Donovan. Um, and it's, it's certainly true of, um, Belloc. Thank you. Um, uh, and it's even true of our, uh, friend from Temple of Doom. Like, even though he lives inside that system, he, it's all about his power, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't mind that. Um, I do think there's, I just, I, again, we go back to execution. Like, it, it's really just execution. I, I do think, like, it's weird that we do that moment where she's clearly trying to do some psychic, like, she's having, or at least interprets that she's having some psychic connection with the skulls. And that's why she wants it to greaten that connection and that power. Um, and I just don't think it's delivered on enough clearly in the script of the film, but I do think that's the intention, Brandon, to answer your question of like, why do they want that? I think she thinks it's a way to, to deepen her psychic ability, mm-hmm. psychic ability. Yeah. I just, I like the opening scene scene. Don't get me wrong. I think the reveal of Indiana through a silhouette is really good. Um, he takes on his hat. He's not as old as I remember him no. being. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't look as old, but he is as old as you remember him being. He's still sixty something at this time. Yeah. So I checked it out. So he, so this film is set. Is it is it was came out nineteen years after Last Crusade. It is set nineteen years after Last Crusade. So it is set in fifty seven, as we know, mm-hmm. uh, nineteen fifty seven. Indiana, Indiana Jones is fifty eight years old. Right at the point of the story. Harrison Ford is 66. Right. Uh, and he looks great. And he's doing a lot of his action, his a lot of his stunts. And I think that's awesome. Sure. And how, makes, is Harrison, how old is Harrison going to be in Dial of Destiny? He's 83 now, I think. <laughs> um, so he so Indy, there's a scene in Dial of Destiny that we've all with Lambasted, which he's on the horse. Um, and he and I was thinking about this because like you know, obviously, look, he's 83 years old. He's not doing his own stunts, um, and, but, he, but he's on the horse and the face replaced him. And I was looking at that and I was like, man, it's it's really cool that in this chase scene through the college on, where my, on the motorcycle, we can tell it's Harrison Ford the <laughs> whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we see his face, it's always Harrison Ford. It's not a face replacement either. For sure. That's definitely true. Um, what I think is because you went to the opening. um, uh, what I think is interesting about the opening is that this is the only indie film so far um, where we don't have a separate opening adventure. What he's doing, we meet the villain at the beginning mm-hmm. and it is continuing into what the story of the rest of the film is. Right. Um, and that's just interesting. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. I do want to talk about what is absolutely a bad thing and mm. is the real detractor of this movie to me. It's not the aliens. It's not that it's not the psychic abilities. It's Mac. Oh, why is he Mac. here? Uh, Benny did it better. This movie has a lot of um, Stephen Somers, the mummy and the mummy returns did it better. Yes. Um, there's a lot of that here. That is happening where um, mm, the mummy did this and they did it better. Uh, he's Benny. 
and they did Benny better. Um, yeah. Don't yeah. care for Mac. I don't think it's executed well. And in fact, the worst thing that happens in regards to Mac is that he's used as a plot point that I think this is the thing that really makes the, the opening of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull a drag for me. Um, completely abandoning the idea of Professor Indy and having to pick up not only war hero Indy, but war hero Indy who is suspected by the government of not being worthy of being war hero Indy. And I'm like, boy, this is a lot of levels of like, did we need to do this? (laughs) (laughs) I forgot all about this. I forgot that like the Bureau uh, doesn't trust Indy, doesn't believe he's worth the medals he made fighting in the war. Um, And thus they are ultimately what cost him his uh, time being a professor for the interim of this film because of the investigations they're putting on him. And I'm like, was, was, was this, did this matter? Did we have to do this? I don't know how it does anything relevant to the story or to the character that I care about, because you could have just had Mutt come and see him while he's just being a professor. So you're absolutely right about that. And I want, uh, and, and I think it comes from the fact that, you know, so they obviously went because they said in the in the fifties they wanted to do the Soviets, and it makes sense that they would make the Soviets the villains of this piece. But they also want to talk about the Red Scare, where the where, where um, people were you know blaming their neighbors. Yes. But that's not addressed to any meaningful length in the film. It's mm-hmm. just kind of surface level, and that's yes, that's really interesting that they decided to honestly take it out or, or do more with it is really your only option. And and this kind of half measure, and that's kind of this, my issue with the film and it sparks is absolutely right. A lot of it is execution, but my issue with the film is that there's a lot of half measures here. They don't commit hard one way or the other in many aspects. And if you are to take, like if the Bureau is telling the truth, which from Indy's perspective, you would have to assume they tell him that Mac like double cross them. And that's one of the reasons that they don't trust Indy now and so when Max says I was a double agent this one time, but the Bureau says, hey, all those previous times, he ratted out on the people that you guys were protecting. Why does Indy like allow him even near them? Like it it does it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Like the information that the movie's trying to give us about why these things are happening, it doesn't care enough to like do the follow-through on like this is actually informing on Indy's character and like therefore he shouldn't trust Mac, but he ends up doing it because of this dumb double agent shit. Stupid. Just yeah. stupid. Mac is an awful character and like his circumstances for existing in the film actively upset me because they do nothing except like hinder the story from progressing rather than like building Indy's character in this film. The point. only positive I'll say to Mac is that is the joke where it says, once I get out of these chains, I'm going to break your nose. And he does it. It's yeah. great. Other For than sure. that, I don't think Mac should have been in this film at all. He's a really annoying character. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just crappy. Like I don't, I don't like the attack on it. I mean, you well, can I, easily get the, you can eat, Without Mac being involved in the film, you could easily get the government distrusting Indy because, you know, he the Russians brought him to Area 51 and already secure a site. That could give him this just trust. You don't need to have Mac in or, or anything like that. And it's just, yeah, I completely agree. The whole time Mac was on screen, I was like, get Kate Blanchett back in here. She's much more interesting of a character than this fool. You know, Mac is Mac is really frustrating because, like, I, I'm a simple man. Like, you guys, you know, I... I'm sure many people think my taste is shit, but like, there's a lot of bits where I'm just like, I, you know, I think that he's funny. Um, and I do think that Ray Winstone, 
Yeah, believe. sure. Uh, Beowulf. The last thing before I saw this, I saw him in Beowulf. Um, when he and I think he and Indiana and uh, and he and Harrison Ford have good chemistry for the most part, honestly. But <laughs> it gets to be all the I'm a double agent. Oh, are you a triple agent? No, I just lied about being a double. It's like, I don't care. By the time by by the by the by the time we get to the end, I just I'm so checked out of that character. I just don't really care what happens to him. Um, his best bit, it, like the best bits with him and in the beginning of the movie, in that first scene that we see him and he shouldn't have been part of the film after that. Mm-hmm. Like the Soviets should have just abandoned him. Yeah. Um, like I just, I don't, it, he brings nothing to the film, but drags it down. Like I, even his lines to Indy, like, I don't think his accent is very good. Um, and he, I think he like, I just don't, I don't like the way he's delivering the lines and I don't think the lines are very good. They're mm-hmm. not, they're not, they're all just so shallow. Um, and he's clearly such a shallow character that like, it's not like when you get a Sala or a Marcus Brody or a, um, I'm trying to think of a bad guy contemporary that's still like this. Um, it's not even like our our uh, Nazi who likes to hang his coat. Um, you know, <laughs> it's he's, he's just, he's got nothing to bring to the table that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and he actively bogs the movie down for me but but he does have a bit i really like and it's um when indy is bringing the vehicle straight at the soviets in the warehouse Mm. and uh they're confident they've got him and he's sitting there shouting you don't know him you don't know him (laughs) um and that's the good bit of like someone who has betrayed Indy, but worked with Indy. So they know what he's capable of shouting at the Soviets. Like you do not know him. Yeah. Um, that is pretty funny. It's not worth him being in this movie for the rest of it. Like again, right. he could have ended at that scene. And I would have been like, fine, whatever, whatever. Um, but especially the way they handle, like we already talked about it, that, that, that war, war hero, distrusted red scare stuff. It's just not, in, it's not important to the rest of the film. Yeah. It just isn't. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, Go ahead. No, you get more, arguably, you get better discourse or a better um, look into like pop culture America when the greasers are fighting the jocks. And that's only a 20 second bar scene. I hate that scene. Right. And like, (laughs) especially like Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, who got the Ark of the Covenant from the Nazis for the United States, that's someone we're going to distrust. Yeah. Um, you got to like really sell me on that and they just don't. Yeah. Uh, so for me, that's, that's a pretty big old, a big old whiff. Um, I, I do. do oh, oh sorry. Ahead. Real quick. I do think that Kate Blanchett is 100% committed to this character. I won't say that character is always written well, but I will say she's 100% committed and that helps I agree with that. Um, I honestly, I think, um, I think Harrison Ford is having a really good time in this movie. I think he is sometimes. Yeah. And I think sometimes he isn't. Which parts do you think? Um, I don't, if you can name any, I, I honestly don't think he likes, uh, like the bureau investigation scene. Yeah. Where they're sitting in there and they're, they're reaming him out for being this like distrust, distrusted war hero. And his early, like his very first scene that, been kind of alluded to with Mutt in the diner and everything. I I don't feel like he's having as much fun there as he is later, even with Shia later. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and with certainly with Karen Allen, he practically goes back uh, mm-hmm. 25 years in his performance when she's on screen with him. Um, yeah. So like, I do think he's having fun at certain points in these movies. I just don't think it's all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, when you get to the, to the end wrap up with the alien stuff, there's, I don't know if it's his performance, like his commitment to the moment or just like the way it's filmed, but like, it's all very clunky once everyone's kind of getting into that room uh, where the, where the skeletons are. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. John Hurt, uh, when he when he's not crazy, when he um, when he starts spouting interdimensional beings, point of fact, it's a portal to another dimension. Another, I don't care. Mm. I don't care at all. I wish okay. he would. I wish I I hate all that line of dialogue of like this is what we're doing. Like I just it didn't matter to clarify. Yeah, it just doesn't like or like yeah sure clarify and then don't do a saucer. Yeah, and then like there's the line where it's like they went to did they go to space? They went to the space between spaces. Like, I don't come on, shut shut up, stop. If talking. that was actually, I'll I'll argue if that was the only line he said regarding it. Sure. And like we didn't see a saucer, right? Yeah. And like you just kind of see like the place collapse on itself, a la Mommy Returns, right? Mm-hmm. And then he said they were like, where'd they go? And he's like to the space between spaces. I'd be like, that's vague and weird. I like it. Yeah. <coughs> um. Uh, Lucas really wanted to do a, a B movie sci-fi film, which uh, I think makes a lot of sense. I don't, I, I'm of two minds about this. Um, like I, I think that you could have done a, a B movie sci-fi Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones film, but you got to commit to that. And this mm-hmm. kind of half measure that we've ended up with where it is, it has very much, elements of those B movie sci-fi films. Um, but it also has elements of the, of the pulp films that the, that the original trilogy is trying to be. And so, and the clash isn't working very well. Um, and it, and it, symbolically speaking, I'm not sure if this is actually what was happening, but symbolically it feels like Lucas and Spielberg are constantly at odds with each other in the DNA of this film. Perhaps um, this does go back again to, I'll say it again, execution. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think like, Here's what wins me over, right? To say, like, I think that the the B-movie sci-fi thing can work with exactly what they're doing with Indiana Jones. I understand going for this. You're in the 50s. Pulp stories of for the 50s, they're about aliens. Like, you know, that's yeah. that it, it it makes sense if you if you want to, rather than having Indy go after the same kind of artifacts, you want to bring him to the time period he's in, then you do alien stuff. And like that's kind of fun and cool. And again, I think if like a lot of the alien stuff we already talked about earlier on in the third act have been a little bit more vague, no saucer, not seeing the fully formed alien, all that kind of stuff. I think, I think it could have worked because the, the <laughs> line Indy has at the end where um, they're talking about El Dorado. Why was El Dorado? What it was, the city of gold. And he's like, uh, their word for gold also means treasure. Knowledge was their treasure mm-hmm. and how that was connected to what they learned from them. I'm like, you bring that full circle in that whole way. And like the El Dorado part of it, is the thing that's like old indie connecting with the, the sci-fi side of it. And I'm like, that can all work. It's just execution. Yeah. Um, you, you brought up the, um, the, the, the line of dialogue where he says, um, actually the word for gold is treasure, treasure knowledge is the treasure. There's a lot of that in this movie. There's a lot of him going, actually it means like resting place. Like, Oh, it's not, it's not birthplace. It's resting place. Right. In final, there's a lot of that in this movie. 
more so than the other Indiana Jones films. I guess it's not a criticism. It's just more of a comment. To be honest, I, I kind of liked it because that part of it, what I like in the script is that I feel like I'm seeing Indy the professor out on the job yeah. more than I usually do because he's actively teaching Mutt even before he knows Mutt is his kid. That's a good point. I do appreciate how much, once again, we talked about Last Crusade, how much more dork Indy we get. Yeah, I think he's being more of the professor at this point in his life, and I don't mind that. I don't mm-hmm. mind him bringing more of like I. There's a there's a more of a a little bit more of a desire to want to teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you wanted to get like definitely more big brain about it than they were at the time, um, an Indiana Jones who has gone through the action of the war would, in theory, be more drawn to the. Uh, wanting to share the the knowledge side and um, the fascination with history and the exploration rather than being as focused on action, being the the desire of what he's doing. He's going to be so much more into, I want to share this knowledge. This knowledge is important and, and nobody's focusing on it anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I will say, I just want to make just a quick note. Uh, it does suck to do the alien stuff in this regard where it is yet another story that is taking the idea of Mayan and, and that area civilization being as advanced as it was for its time in terms of discovering irrigation and agriculture and basically saying, well, the only way they could do that is because aliens showed them how aliens. Uh, And like, because they're doing that um, it, it detracts. It's a very intentional or not racist perspective. Um, where it is baked into the way a lot of, we know a lot of stories have done this kind of look at the Mayan civilization and said like, oh, but aliens perhaps with the pyramids and how they constructed themselves and their lives and the calendar and all this kind of stuff. And like, <coughs> you do fall into a little bit of a hole where like, no, they could just they could just have been smart enough to have thought of this stuff. Yeah. It was a popular trope at the time, right? Like absolutely, like I, you know, I'm not going to fault them for falling into that hole, but it is a shame that that hole exists. Yeah, I mean, when did Ancient Aliens start airing on the History Channel again? Well, it was even before that, like Stargate. That's all AVP about AVP. Yeah, this is all in that same circle of like time period where a lot of that was happening. Mm -hmm. It's just a bummer that an Indiana Jones film falls in that hole, and I'm like, that's a it's a pretty racist perspective that's been talked to death about. Yeah. Um, I do like the line, Dust Vidania, Dr. Jones. Mm, sure. It's good. Good line reading. Um, shall we talk about the fridge? I want to talk about the cinematographer first. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Ignore the fridge in the kitchen. <laughs> um, so it's uh, Janusz uh, Kaminski um, is a cinematographer for this film. Uh, he is a. Uh, kind of Spielberg's go-to cinematographer was before this film and has been since. Um, obviously the cinematographer for the first three films, I forget their name now, but they passed away before this mm-hmm. film was made. Yeah. Um, then I don't, the cinematography is obviously not as good as it was, but I think it's too, I think it feels too digital. There's a lot more cinema. There's a lot more visual effects in this film than there are in the other ones, obviously. And I think that detracts from the film. There's a lot of green screen used poorly. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I think. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of the reasons why I say like for a movie of this budget, even at its time, it shouldn't look this bad. Yeah. Um, 
it's because again, like the, the strongest contemporary, there's so many of those jungle shots where I can tell it's a CGI green screen and what we're looking at. And I look back at King Kong and I'm like, King Kong looks incredible still. Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason crystal skull should look this bad. Um, the, the jungle sequences are, are, I really like the jungle chase scene for the most part. I think it's fun and there's some good banter between the characters. Uh, I really like the rocket launcher bit. Um, that's very funny. Yeah. But he just comes in with the rocket launcher. Um, and I, I like the argument that's, you know, starts with the argument between Indy. And- I said, I said it has good car action. I want to know specifically what I said. I highlighted all the car action is. Really yeah. Good. I think, yeah. But like around that, there's like way too much CGI happening. I understand like you can't film in the Amazon, but you could have done something better. I think. You do feel like just like the disparity between going from the very real and tactile chases in Raiders and Last well, even, Crusade. Even the first chase scene in this movie is real and tactile. Right. Um, and then to the jungle scene and it's like, but I'm thinking like when they're going through like the, the canyons or the mm. desert and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, that feels so tangible in a way that this just doesn't. Um, and I do think it's a little bit of them still coming out of the, you know, early green screen era that may be a little bit more Lucas, right. With the star Wars prequels now behind him. Um, and just too enamored with how big you can make something without thinking about how it feels. Yeah. Yeah. There is one scene during the jungle chase scene that kind of bothered me a little bit, or there was a sequence that isn't brought up. When he rips his pants. Hmm? Is it when he rips his pants? No. Is that what happens? I think so. It's weird. Ryan, Ryan and I were both like, what happened there? <laughs> yeah, it's a really Do weird joke. Do you know joke. what we're talking about, Ben? No. Okay, it's the bit where Mutt gives Indy the, the knife and he slips it down to his hands and then you hear a rip and he pauses and then Mutt says, "Ah shit. And like, it seems like the implication is that he ripped his pants, but oh, we never yeah. see that. You're right. That doesn't and like, a- it could also be read like, did he drop it? Like, did he, did he like... I don't know Open what it's the thing to be. And drop it. It's such a weird bit. I don't I don't get it. Neither do I. That's not the bit I was talking about. The yeah. bit I was talking about is when Mutt is fencing with um Kate Blanchett's character and Marion is driving, but then she gets hit in the head by a tree branch. Now, obviously well, she, she gets hit in the head, she like leans over like she was about to get knocked out, but she doesn't get knocked out and she just keeps going and is fine the whole time but the way the camera's focused it's focused on her like you see her get hit in the head thinking oh she's hurt really bad and this like obviously like she veers off and has to help her or that that branch that branch broke their windshield too so like that that thing hit her yeah like it's supposed <laughs> to signify that something's gonna happen to marion but nothing does mm-hmm. yeah it's a weird time, cut think, I'll, I'll acknowledge it's a weird and cut the, and the whole time i'm thinking about it's like is something bad, bad, something bad supposed to happen next, right? Like something, because it, it presents I, I what I'm, it does, what it does real quickly, Ben, what it does is it creates the implication of a complication, but doesn't follow up with anything with the complication because yeah. nothing really comes from it, right? She just gets no. hit in the face and, and then, but she continues to drive. Yeah. Um, like it doesn't really, I guess maybe you could argue it's the reason why Muck gets hit in the balls with a bunch of those, with a bunch of those giant flowers. But like that's kind of kind of an interesting reading about it. So, I mean, it turns into a a, a bad uh, get hit in the nuts gag. 
but more the t- the whole time I'm thinking is like I'm my focus in or my care is about Marion is like is she okay is she got a blackout is she does she have a concussion is she hurt is this gonna lead to something down the line no it leads to nothing it's just ow what it gets hit in the nuts a few times and wait, what it should do what it should do right like it should it creates a complication in the action scene and the action scene would and what's happening in the action would get derailed by it but it doesn't it just continues on it's normal yeah i'm I, if I was rewriting the movie, I was hoping that obviously it would derail the action, but also it would bring Indy to to help, but also realize that Marion got severely hurt and he needs to help, like either resuscitate her or he realizes that, hey, we're not as asking as for a much more grim movie. Marion <laughs> almost died by getting hit in the face of the tree branch. Well, she almost died a bunch <laughs> of times, but you know, it was it's like that come to Jesus moment where it's like, okay, we should probably be a little bit more careful and them realizing that hey this is a lot more dangerous than we think i, I don't know no um, i get you i get you like you're, i think you've articulated it very, very very well um there's a line i want to highlight if you don't mind moving off of that no bit. I'm, I'm Mark, do you have anything you want to add about that bit no um there's a line that i really really like and it's clearly lawrence cast and i believe um where it's um where it's in the in the when, when indy's freeing everyone in the truck and uh she and marion says <coughs> There must have been a lot of there must have been a lot of girls after me. Like, yeah, but they all had the same problem. They weren't you, honey. Mm-hmm. I love that line so much. Um, Marion is my favorite of the indie girls. Like, clearly, she's great. I talked about her on Raiders. I uh, on our Raiders talk. I really like that character. Not and a lot of stiff competition there. No, but true. But like, I really do love bringing back Marion and having the the culmination be that they've they're they're like together like it, it's their their love has finally blossomed into a marriage yeah um i feel like my only knock on it is that kind of like sala after a certain moment karen allen just doesn't have anything to do in this movie good point and it bums me out yeah um and i kind of wish she was in the movie earlier so that this indie and her coming back together thing the, the love story could feel more. Hmm. More real, mm-hmm. I guess, because, you know, Indy's Indy's been a little bit too much of a hound dog in the movies you see since Raiders, regardless of if Temple of Doom is a prequel or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of got to build that foundation just a little bit. And certainly for this amount of time, build it again just a little bit. And I don't know that the movie gives itself as much runway as I wish it would have for that. That's a good point. I don't get me wrong. The moment that she and him see each other again, it's like they, I said earlier, it's like they both light right back into their chemistry on Raiders, but the chemistry between the actors doesn't change the fact that like a little bit more time to the characters was needed. I think. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, um I'll yes. go ahead with for a little bit if you want, Brandon. Oh, I was just going to say we should go to the fridge, but sure, continue. Oh yeah, let's go to the fridge. <laughs> I actually, I actually don't hate this um, no, as much as other people do. I, I, I think that like, yeah, it's it's stupid and hokey and whatever. But um, Indy's done similar bullshit. Like, uh, this might be the most extreme, but like, it doesn't bother me. Um, no, it doesn't bother me either. It's yeah. it's definitely silly, but. I, I like the kind of scene leading up to it where he's realizing where he is and he's and he runs up to the Soviet car. Oh, sure. 
don't get me that joke is really good i just think at the same time that you did this you could have done a fallout shelter and been just as like you did it nice um and then and then the the but the the fridge is is the fridge leads to honestly what i think is a really good shot which is indiana overlooking the explosion sure i think that's a really cool shot he's too close he is (laughs) oh yeah um yeah no i get it like it's it's whatever. It's fine. Um, while we're while we're at that, uh, the the rocket car thing that takes him away mm. from them, uh, really fun. <clears throat> yeah, I like it. I like um, I like that that Soviet guy, the the buff Soviet evil dude. He's mm. a fun, yeah. kind of no no. What'd you say? No, go ahead. Finish your thing. Well, he's just kind of a fun like. Um, What's the like kind of a fun like non-speaking role? He has dialogue, but like he's very much that kind of presence of like I'm just henchman, but he's he's kind of he's a bruiser. He's a bruiser. They, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. He's a bruiser. Yeah, he's a good he's a good bruiser. Yeah. Um uh I like our little oh, here's the Raiders again. Here's the arc. Remember? Mm. I don't mind it. It's fine. It's cute. It had been I, long enough that I think it's fine. I so okay. The music in this one, mm-hmm. I think Williams realized too much. As much as I'm really happy to get Marion's theme again, the like the love theme between Marion and Indiana, uh, which we do get a lot. I think Williams relies too much on older material for this film. Mm, sure, I agree. There's not a lot of new here. Not yeah. a lot of standout new. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a shame because I think all three of the previous Indiana Jones films have really good soundtracks. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Brandon, because I know we're doing a real score about this. I sat there and I'm like, we're doing a whole episode on this one. <laughs> That's going to be rough. <laughs> but it'll be fun. It'll be educational. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I like I, I most specifically like when he uses their music for the wedding. Yeah. At the end. I think that's really cute and it works really well. It's it's very nice. Um, but yeah, the score is just not. It's not very standout, impressive in this one. Yeah. Uh, I already said they, they rely too much on CGI also. It's, apparently, like, they've talked about it beforehand and that they don't want to do a lot of CGI in this film, but then they just felt like they had to. Like, I, kinda, I, I wish they had made much, just a little bit less of the Fonz. Sure, yeah. I don't. I like Shia in this role. And I like his... I, I like how he plays with uh, Harrison. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree. There's something that always kind of, like... Shia's role is kind of derivative of a, of this kind of greaser character. Yeah, he's not, he's, when he's just kind of playing a scene with Ford, it's fine. Mm-hmm. When he's having to play up any of the bits that are like the greaser bits, it becomes very caricature very quickly. Yeah. Like the, Ben already said, like the get that greaser bit. I hate it so much. Well, but does Shia say that? No, it's no, the, just, it's the like, Joe College. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 No. And like, that's, that's not, that's yes, I agree. But like, I'm talking more just like what Shia has to do in the greaser role. Like when the greaser has to come out in what he's trying to do with Indy, it's like, uh, womp womp set back your character, like another three squares. Yeah. Um, Hey, that car chase with Mutt's motorcycle though, that leads into the library scene is pretty tight. I like that a lot. 
I really like that sequence. I love how it ends with the with the uh, with the. It's it's kid. one of the best. It's one of the best. Uh, honestly, I think it's the best line in this movie. The best bit is if you want to be a good archaeologist, you gotta get out of the library as he's going on the motorcycle riding out. Of the we library. also get a close up <laughs> on a Wilhelm scream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's fun. Uh, the Marcus Brody statue, also just a nice touch. Sweet. Um, his, 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 he died in 1944 mm-hmm. is what it says. Yeah. Um, which I yeah, think I, is, I think is the right amount of real life years from last crusade to when the actor passed, if I remember correctly, uh, he died in 93. And so, so four years after last crusade, I believe. Is it last yeah, crusade came out in 89. Is that true? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So just about, yeah. Not yeah. too far off. Um Okay. Uh there's a, I I like when we get to see some miniatures. It does happen occasionally. Um the main yeah. one is the miniature of like um where they go and 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 find the conquistador uh grave and everything. The very first establishing shot is this big overshot head of a miniature. Mm, good point. Yeah, that's cool. Which I thought was cool really moment. nice. Mm. Um the blowback on the dart straight into the guy's throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good bit. Um, oh, I did want to highlight this. Uh, I, I, I just forgot that this kind of line was in here and I just really like it, which is when Indy's talking with Mud about his dropping out of school and everything. And he's like, uh, what do you do for money? I fix motorcycles. Is that what you want to do for the rest of your life? And he's like, maybe I am. So what about it? And he's like, is that a problem? And he's like, no, if that's what you love doing and don't let anyone tell you different. And I really like that coming from Indy that, that yeah. very much like, you know, do what you love. That's it. They're speaking of that, that scene. Um, they canonize definitively young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Not that there was any question, but they reference it in this movie, the episode of Pancho Villa. Um, it's like, I was kidnapped by Pancho Villa. That's an episode of young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Hmm. Mm. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, yeah, there's there's a very good effect on the air catching up with the conquistador when they let him out. Yeah, that effect is pretty good. It's practical, I believe. I think so. Or if it it might be a little, it's practical with a little bit of digital enhancement, maybe. Yeah. Um, there's some jarring transitions in this edit, though. This edit, the editing's not great across yeah. the board. Um, there's a shot, the one where they have like Indy in the chair, uh, in the tent and like, he's literally like looking this way and then it cuts to a shot. That's not even a good shot to cut to from that shot. And he's looking down and like, I'm like, this is sloppy. And it was, it it literally happened after I'd already written the note for like the transition to the travel stuff being kind of jarring and not as smooth as it is. Good point. Um, Hey, John Hurt's always nice to see. I love John Hurt. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't get a lot to do in this movie, but he's fun. Help. Yeah. Yeah. Um the oh the quick the 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 quicksand, the the what is it? Is dry sand or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. The dry sand pit. And I like it's like, you know, Professor coming out. I was like, actually quicksand is a the combination of this, this, this is a and he was like, Oh, we'll be fine. Right. I like that. We're not fine anymore. <laughs> it's a good bit. Yeah. And the, yeah. And the snake. Good bit, and, and even like it can, it continues into what you were talking about when he's like he's your son. Why didn't you let him stay in school? Yes, 
yeah, I think that's funny. Um, I, I, I like that you get how indie real really feels and then, uh, the, the immediate jump to parent reaction. I thought that was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, we talked about that. We talked about that just in general, like the jungle chase scene, we've already talked about a bit, uh, the, the, just the green screen detracts the nut joke, the nuts joke sucks. Um, the physical fight between Kate and Shia is both hit or miss. Like there's some really good bits in there and then there's some really, really bad ones. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just, the swinging is awful. Just awful. I hate mm-hmm. the monkey scene. It, this, this, honestly, like I think the movie for the most part for like a lot of this runtime. And again, this is my bias of how much I love, just love Indiana Jones. Like I really like, I'm really with this movie for like two thirds of it. Maybe less, but like, uh, like there's a lot of this stuff. There's a lot of what I'm putting down that I'm picking up. I think it's funny. I think Harrison Ford is really fun. I think there's some good action. And then it's just, as it goes on, it just becomes sloppier rather than tighter. I do think the beginning is tighter than the, than the, the first half is tighter than the second half. I would disagree. Yeah. And that, I think the middle is actually the tightest section, to be honest with you. Sure. Um, Because I think we get a little sloppy with like the bureau stuff and all that. It gets too convoluted, too messy. But like from the moment he meets Mutt and the KGB come after them all the way up to like once they run away in the tent and get out of the sand pit, like Mm -hmm. that's maybe the tightest part of the movie. Yeah, I agree with that. I'd agree with that. And, but as it just gets sloppier and like, I'm even with the car chase scene, bad visual effects and all. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, there's some fun stuff here. There's some good banter here, but then the swinging happened and I'm, and I'm like, and then the ants, I hate, I hate the ant scene. Oh, I'm so sorry to disagree. Oh, that's okay. I just really don't like it. Uh, I, I actually like the ants. I think it's a really good use of it. That feels more classic indie to me, like as yeah. a, as an environmental threat, it feels very classic indie of what they're having to work around. And it's real. Like the, the those types of ants eat you alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe not necessarily pick up a whole body and tuck it into their <laughs> hole, but they'll, but they'll, they'll hurt you. They'll stone you. They'll bite you. They'll kill you. Um, and they'll harvest your flesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I need to know. about. And like, ants. and I think that's, I think that's a good use of, of that. Like uh, it was at that moment that I'm like, you know, it is kind of nice to have an indie film that's set in a jungle environment. Cause we never had that before. That's like, like temple of doom has it a little bit, but not to the extent that this is. Yeah. And like, I do like the ants thing. I think it, I think it really works as like a, as a problem and an obstacle. And like, I like the action of them having to like all kind of scramble in their own way to deal with it. And I like the fight with the bruiser around it and the way he knocks him into it. And like the tension between who's going to fall into the ants really works. I think that's very much like a, a very similar to like the tension of Indy on the top of the tank uh, kind of action beat and who's going to fall off or hit the treads or all that kind of stuff. I don't disagree with what you're saying. Um, for the most part, I, I just, just doesn't work for me sure. very much. I do like that tank sequence though. That's a good tank sequence. That might be my favorite action piece in the franchise. Sure. It's very good. Um, the, I also like the skull diverting them. I think for the context of like, sure. even inside of just indie films as a magical item, like the fact that it does that works for me. I, I think that's really fun. Yeah. I don't, I, the skull, I don't know. I don't think the skull is a very good MacGuffin either. Um, and Spielberg even said, like, I get why people don't like the MacGuffin. I don't like it either, which is a wild thing to say about your own movie. Um, mm. But, but I, I, don't, I don't really think it. I don't really I, like it. 
I like that after he looks into it, um, you know, they're, they're talking about like just leaving and, and blah, blah, blah. and doing all this. And he's like, I have to return it. And they're like, why you? And he's like, because it told me to, uh-huh. um, that, that kind of is all the motivation I need for it to work for me about doing the return of the skull and all that kind of stuff. Again, you know, all, all of the semantics really come down to execution more than anything yeah. else. I don't think like on paper, the idea is bad. Um, of the skull or reconnecting it with the skeleton and the fact that it's even from these like alien beings of some kind, it's all just execution on the way there. I, you know, I'll, I will also say that I, I like when we first are introduced to the skull in, um, not Pancho Villa, Corey, what's that guy's name? The other Which one? The, the dead guy. Oh, or, or Oriana. Um, Oriana. Yeah. Oriana, when we were in Oriana's grave, and 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 they take it out, and like they're they're like confused, like crystal's not magnetic, meter is gold, and he says, "Look, what is this thing?" Right. I do like that. Yeah, I think it. I think it's a very like uh, as a mystical object, it works inside the world of indie. It's mm-hmm. just the execution of like some of the elements that justify it in lore. You you yeah. tweak some things, and I think it would land much better. Yeah. Um, I really like the the um the sand head puzzle that they have to do to get down mm. there. I think that's a really good classic indie kind of thing. I really like it. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. I don't think I have much more. You got any more? No, I really covered a lot of it. Like it's, it's cause I ultimately agree with you. I think there's so many things about this that like in performance and like uh, idea, <clears throat> storytelling there's so much good indie shit in here but the execution is sloppy and i do think it only gets sloppier yeah i agree um i'll say a couple more a couple last just bit of notes i have uh i really am appreciative that they kept the punching sound effect from the classic films sure um it could have been very easily have been something they decided to update and i'm glad they didn't Mm -hmm. um there's something iconic about the indiana jones punching sound effect um it's something soothing about it uh, that I like. Um, I had a question. Do you guys think Indiana tells people about his adventures? Uh, Does he like he like he found Oriana's grave? Like it's a huge archaeological find. Does, <coughs> did he did he publish a paper? Did he tell anybody? I think only if he's okay with it being something that like other people know about like it, does he think oriana's grave should be visited by anyone else probably not so no would be right. my guess well that's a good that's a good point because like he has the thing in the in the third movie it belongs in a museum so clearly he he like and he sells pieces to museums all the two Barkus's museum all the time but like something like he solved a huge archaeological mystery with uh oriana's grave that nobody, everyone thought he never made it out of the jungle. His grave cannot be found. He found it, but he doesn't tell anybody. Well, I think the answer goes back to like Temple of Doom, right? Uh-huh. He doesn't tell anyone about those stones. Good those point. stones go back to the village. Good point. Um, and, and it's just a thought I had. Like, does he like, and like, who would believe him if he published a paper about this adventure? Who would believe him? Well, that's the whole thing is like, if he was going to publish a paper about it, he'd have to substantiate it, which means like, there, there, he knows people would be following up and going there. And if he doesn't want that place disturbed or to put other lives in danger for people who shouldn't go there, then he's not going to publish about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it also, really depends on what it is. Also, he doesn't take any of the loot, he just takes the skull and bounces. So I think it's more of a, we're just here for the one thing. Let's just take the one thing, leave the rest, just let lie here. 
Right. Like he knows, you know, it, it would require a whole thing to go and properly take all the gold out of there and make sure it's yeah. not like pillaged by somebody. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't, as far as we know, he doesn't work for the British museum. No, but he does, he does sell to the museum. Yeah, yeah he does. I mean, this I is a silly, to... this is a silly topic. I don't <laughs> want to spend too much <laughs> no, time on. I'm, no, no, no. no but I, I was trying to make a bad British museum joke. Cause you know, they take everything they're not supposed to take. Yes, so. absolutely. A lot of museums do. Um, but I, I think that the answer really is just like, I think Indy is selective. I think mm-hmm. if if he feels like it's stepping on the toes of someone who shouldn't be stepped on for cultural reasons or whatever, then he's quiet about it. And the Ark of the Covenant would have been under an NDA. Right. Um, but like the Holy Grail, like, oh, I found the Holy Grail, but you can't find it. It's gone. Don't right. worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Or he would have talked to the night. He's like, can people at least just come see it? No, no, but like, like because it falls apart, the the interest of the cabin falls apart. If it hadn't, might he have written about like where the grail ended up and all this kind of stuff? And like, maybe, no, maybe, no. Spark says he leaves the grail there. It's just like talk to no, but that's not what I'm talking about, Ben. What I'm talking about is after the events of the Last Crusade, with 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 the grail gone, would he? If he published a paper, people would think he's a crackpot. True. Like, oh, I found the Holy Grail. <coughs> but, you can, but you guys got to take my word for it because it's gone. <laughs> or even if he stopped Elsa before she took it over the sea and the cave didn't collapse, pr- pr- people will probably would have tried to steal the Grail anyway. So probably best right. to be like, Shh. no, but that's but that that's that's a good point on Sparks' thing because the Grail is a good example of he would never tell people yeah. where he found it. Like if Elsa hadn't done what she did, he would take that secret to his grave. Mm-hmm. Um. He would he would never he he would never tell people because like what's the point? Um but he but afterwards like it just like I just imagine the world like, this is just a silly topic. I I don't know why I'm spending too much time on it. It's just a funny idea to me that the idea that he could that he would he'd have to be like, no, no, trust me, guys, I found the holy grail. Mm-hmm. Like I just think that's such a silly idea. It's essentially like, sure, Uncle Indy, let's get you tip back to take your meds now. Yeah, it's it's the older Indiana Jones from the from the young from the young Indiana Jones Chronicles flash forwards, where he's just like, hey, back in my day, I was a I was ninety I was ninety nine years old. I have that a fun real. I have a fun one for you that I could phrase as a question, but it's more of an observation. Um, Mutt does not know his legal name. No, he doesn't. That's just weird. <laughs> I'm sure he knows his name is Henry, but he doesn't know that it's Henry Jones. And why is it Henry Jones? Oh, I guess because he he was I mean, born before she married who he thought was his dad. Right. So, so like, wouldn't he take Ravenwood as his given name? No, because Marion decided to name him Henry Jones III. She put that on his birth certificate. That's her choice. So that's what he is. But he doesn't know that because three months after he's born, she marries Williams. So he thinks his name is Williams because that becomes her name. That becomes his name. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. It's just weird. Yeah. Uh, It's one of those. It's one of those things where they 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 had to come up with something to Mm -hmm. make the reveal work because you yeah. can't show up and it's like oh my name is mutt jones right yeah yeah i'm Mutt-Lion. here to see henry jones and i know my name is henry jones and yeah, yeah. Mo- mm-hmm. so so weird we have the same name yeah um 
Yeah. All right. Anything else? Nope. Uh, I do love that they get married at the end. It's very, very happy for me. Sure. Um, and that Indiana Jones takes his hat. So I don't, I never. If this movie hadn't been received better, who knows the Shia LaBeouf movies we would have seen. It's so interesting because like, I, I do think the intention was probably to spin off Shia LaBeouf. 100%. I think, I think Lucasfilm has been attempting to make an Indiana Jones film without Indiana Jones for a long time. Because I do, I think it, I understand that he's, you know, that Jones is meant to be James Bond. Uh, originally, but I don't think Jones works in the same way that you could have recast this role. I'm not sure how I feel about it. And I guess, and I guess I wouldn't know because we've never done it. So I don't know how I would feel about another character playing Indiana Jones um, other than Ford. I just think it's so interesting that like this character just didn't become this kind of legacy character as intended. He was just, this is just Harrison Ford's role. Sometimes I think, you know, maybe that's for the best because just maybe yeah. some things should just be left alone. I agree. You know, um, I, I personally i am happy we don't live in the world where there's 30 Indiana Jones movies. Right. Yeah. You'd have to keep trying to make it fresh and every time, every single time. I do think I do think I would like to see a story set in the world of Indiana Jones. Like, you know, I was I was into the idea back then of a Mutt Williams adventure. Um I would love to see short round return um, that Abner Raven would show. I'm not entirely convinced, but sure. Whatever. Like, I think that there's potential of doing an Indiana Jones style story set in the world of Indiana Jones with a different character. But I, I just don't think Indiana needed to, to continue the way that something like James Bond has. I have, I'm, I'm not necessarily against like, other stories in the world of Indiana Jones. Yeah. But I do think that like, if you're doing that, um, I think that it becomes a question of why not just tell a new action adventure story mm-hmm. based around an archeologist. Like you can also just do something new um, and not be beholden to the world, but also be able to do whatever you want and really go for it and create a character just as like emblematic um, and I do, and I think like no matter what you do, anyone else is always living in indie shadow. Yeah. If they're in the world, sure. because every action adventure film is living in Indiana Jones shadow. That, that's a good point. I mean, I don't necessarily, um, th- I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with re- with revisiting an established world, um, such as Indiana Jones. Like I said, you know, it, it's just my it's probably just my bias towards the franchise. Um, and wanting to see some semblance of it continue. I think part of it is like, I don't know how I feel about revisiting the world of Indiana Jones without seeing Indy at all. And if the implication is that you wouldn't, then I'm like, because like even seeing a short round thing, I love the idea, but I would also need a pretty good reason to know like, why Indy's not even around or what happened with their relationship and that kind of thing. And like, it still lives in Indy's shadow kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's very hard to do something in the world that can be completely divorced from him. Sure. That's a good point. Also, uh, there's also the sense that like, you know, again, it's kind of one of the things where I'm up to minds of the whole thing where it's like, you know, if you did a short round, if you did a story set, uh, set around short round, it would have to be in the same time period as, where we're approaching a dial of destiny because of just how time works. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would prefer to go back 
you know, to go back into the 30s right. or the 40s even. Which even um, more, like, demands Indy's presence to an extent. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is what, probably why the Abner Ravenwood thing was was probably interesting, because we could introduce a younger Indiana Jones story. That mm-hmm. could have been something. I actually am far more into that now that I've said that. Um, but, uh, oh, there was one more thing I wanted to say about that oh the game games like you could do this with games right you could revisit indiana jones and we're getting that game coming up probably next year um or the year after where it's potentially set world war ii ish time Mm -hmm. period yeah so there's there's the potential to continue it in that way right ben any thoughts on any of that not really Okay. <laughs> um, I've, I've just been happy with Indiana Jones movies, to be honest. I'm I'm also in the same boat with Brandon. I'm glad we don't have a billion and a half of them. Um, and I mean, I do think that Indiana Jones video games can expand the world a little bit more. But also, if there's a, like a spinoff of Indiana Jones, you it really needs to have like a special sauce that, I mean, just just makes it work because. If you do something in Indiana Jones, I feel that Indiana Jones has to be a part of it in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. But at the same time, I know it can, the like the world of treasure hunting and these action adventure films, these period pieces can't work without Indiana Jones. Yeah, logistically, but you can't bring back Indiana unless you recast. True. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a definitely it's a weird MacGuffin, but I do think it, the realm of video games is the way to go. Yeah. And also, it puts you in the action and gives you a better. For that. It gives you another chance to play Uncharted again. Shall we rate it? Yeah. Yeah. Ben. I give it a six. Six. Interesting. It's Smart. it's not as bad. Once again, it's not as bad as I remember it, but there are definitely problems with it. Right. Sparks? Yeah, right now it's a six. Like yeah. it's just got I, I as much as I like things in it, the film that we have compared to the film that I'm like, I see what it could have been mm-hmm. is just weaker. Um, like it's a it's a favorable six. I like it more than I thought I would in my memory, but um, it's it it doesn't live up to the quality of what I expect of sevens. Sure, I agree. I I I, I agree. Uh, although I I give it a seven. Uh, I think you. I think what you both have said is perfectly valid. There, again, it's my bias towards this franchise. How much? Yeah, it's got you. Character. It's got you by the balls. One hundred percent. So yeah, I'm. I'm. I will give it a seven. I, it's I, got a Kalima grip on your heart and your testicles. It's got. It. <laughs> it's got. Uh, for me, it's still got a lot to like. No, I get it. Um, Look, a six is a lot better than I thought I was going to end up <laughs> coming at it with. Sure. I can't stress that enough. I was like, boy, it's going to really suck when I have to come on here and give Chris a skull four. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> that's what um, i was prepared for before i rewatched it because i'm like i do not remember enjoying it it's also so interesting watching this movie because like this is a legacy sequel before there were like tropes for legacy sequels so it's still mm-hmm. playing in like different spaces and trying to like find itself yeah it's for interesting sure. for sure